Hi everyone, Mia here. Before we start this podcast, I just wanted to let you know that we had some sound issues on my end as you'll hear. It's not the best, but we absolutely love this conversation. So we really wanted to keep it for you. We've decided to upload it. We're a brand new podcast. There's no bells and whistles and we hope you can enjoy the conversation as much as we have. Welcome to Connected. My name is Mia. I'm your host and the founder of Connected AU. This podcast, Connected, is here to give you the beautiful feeling of community in your ears. I will be chatting with some incredible people, and the aim is just for you to feel as though you are sitting with us, having a cup of tea and good conversation. There are no bells and whistles on this podcast. It isn't scripted and doesn't have any crazy producing. It's just good conversation, and we are so glad you are here. So welcome everyone to this week's episode. We are so lucky to be welcoming our guest this week, Olympic swimmer and national icon Bronte Campbell. Bronte is a three-time Olympic swimmer. She's won 28 international medals over the course of her 11-year career, now striving for fourth Games in Paris next year. She's also a speaker, advocate, author, MC, has a business degree, writes poetry. I just discovered your Clay Instagram account. And most recently, you've stepped into the world of entrepreneurship. So, Bronte, you are unstoppable. It's so good to see you again. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Mia. It's um, great to be here. Well, I really do appreciate it. So, as you know, this podcast is all about connection. We've got a really wonderful large community and we with tens of thousands of people in our programs and they do all sorts of things. They write letters, come to our clubs, book club events, online events. And so this podcast is just a way to give them extra community in the lead up to Christmas. So they're just going to log in, listen to us chatting and just feel like they're catching up with friends over a cup of tea. And I feel like it is the life of Australian communities to sit down and have a catch up over a cuppa. And I am curious if this has been part of your life and your childhood or now just sitting down catching up with friends. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, firstly, you should see the wall of tea that I've got at home. Tea's normally like my evening drink, so try to make them non-caffeinated. But then with a cup of coffee, like, I don't even know what I'd do if I wasn't catching up for a cup of coffee. Like, I don't say, do you want to catch up to my friends? Say, you want to go get some coffee? So it's all about that time sitting down. And I think in general, like how I think about a cup of tea or coffee is it's just a time for yourself that you wouldn't normally take otherwise like you're you're working really hard and then suddenly you stop and like you just take a bit of time it's like a hot drink and then you got to wait for it to cool down enough for you to drink it and it's like 15 20 minutes and the reason you're doing it is for you and if you're doing it with someone else then you're doing it to connect with them but you're also doing it for you to take some time out from your everyday thing it's like a break it's like a pause on everything else and I've always really liked that. It's so different from like going and getting like a glass of water. Like that's just fulfilling a need of like I'm thirsty or I'm hungry or whatever. Like there's normal breaks that you have. But like having a cup of tea or coffee, whether it's with someone or not, it's really it's a bit bigger than that. It's like fulfilling some other need beyond just I'm hungry or thirsty. I love it. It's a bit of forced self-care or a bit of a meditative little experience for it. I love that and you're right it's uh, it's it does make you literally stop and take a break it's not an instant thing so it's good and also I feel like sometimes when you sit down like that with someone it kind of just leads itself to conversations and letting people I guess drop yeah just relax a bit I suppose and, and drop into a conversation and really chat with people 
So yeah, I think we really do for a lot of time, haven't we? Tea and coffee. Like think about it. Like over the center, there's got to be something in it. Like yeah. uh, pretty much every ancient civilization has a connection with tea and coffee and sitting down and like rituals around it. And you're right, that place for connection. Like when I went to India and traveled through India, like loved it. Sitting down for a, a cup of chai was a way of greeting. And you come into the house and you get chai straight away. Like that is the welcome to the house. Like everybody. Every culture's got so much about it. Like, I think there's a lot there yeah. to unpack. There's a reason why we love it so much. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And, these, and I mean, in Australia, it's like I'm from the country and it is just part of it. You stop and you have a cup and whatever you drink. It, no, it is wonderful. I mean, look, there's probably a whole podcast and idea in that, but we do just love to ask everyone. Most people that we've chatted to have said, yeah, it's a big part of their day look at the other question i love to ask people secondly is so everything we do is about connection and we see every day in all of our programs that connection means different things to different people it can be connection to yourself your animal your friends the community where you live um and so you when i was thinking about you with the guests your water and the underwater connection and i imagine that you have a sense of connection to the water and being even just the sense of the being underwater and your body in water be around water yeah absolutely it's there's something magical about the water for me so I live really close to the ocean now and if I'm not at training in a morning or afternoon or sometimes in between training in the middle of the day mm-hmm. you might find me down in the ocean and I just don't think that there's a day that's so bad that a dip in the ocean can't make it just a little bit better that moment when the water closes over your head and it's kind of like still and all the sounds are muffled under there and you can really dive down. The pressure like builds around you as you go under the water. It's like a whole other world under there. And you always, there's that saying amongst all swimmers, especially the ones who swim all through winter, is that you never regret a swim and you're standing outside and it's freezing cold. And you're like, do I really want to do this? Like pretty much always the question. And then once you've done it and you've got in and there's something about immersing yourself that you don't regret it when you come back out. And three feathers, two things, swimming and having a cup of tea or coffee, very intertwined because yeah. quite often you might have a, especially down at the beach, you might have a 10 minute swim. And then there's like the hour getting coffee afterwards with everyone, <laughs> which probably helps with the not regretting it. But <laughs> yeah, no, I can imagine. And it's just been a part of your life for so long, like since you were little every day or thereabouts. Has there been a time where you haven't been able to swim, haven't been able to get in the water? Not really, as in not being able to get in the water at all. There's been times when I haven't lived near a pool or ocean, but there's never been anything that stopped me for a long period of time. Like I've had a few surgeries and obviously no one likes you going in the water after those. So I pushed back on that pretty hard as soon (laughs) as possible to get back in the pool. I have had big breaks from competing and competitive swimming yes. so after the last olympics i had like 18 months off from training and competing but during that time i was going getting up with my girl gang and learning how to surf and all being terrible surfers together for that 18 months so i was in the water almost almost as much as i was when i was training it's i was just curious it's, it really is like water is a part of you and i was curious if what it would be like for you if you couldn't, yeah, if you, if you had had periods of time without it. It's, it's interesting your story and your break that you had and not knowing if you were going to come back or people knowing if you were going to come back. And, you know, that 18 months, you did a lot of things in that time. You, you did some consulting work, I think, and some corporate work, 
Sint on TV. What was the show? Celebrity Apprentice. <laughs> Firstly, I hate that it's called Celebrity Apprentice. It makes me feel so weird, like saying it. But yeah, I did a lot of weird things. I was like, you know what? I started training when I was seven years old, and by the time I'd finished twenty twenty one Olympics, I was twenty eight. I was like, you know what? I've been doing this for twenty one years, and. Yes, I've been studying uni outside of it. And yes, I've done heaps of interning and I've tried different things. But like, let's just really get out there in the world. Like I know a lot about swimming, but like the swimming world is such a small bubble. Like I really wanted to get out of that bubble. And the break was, I needed a break physically. I've got quite a lot of injuries to manage, but I also needed a break mentally from just being looking at the back line and so focused for so, so many years. And while well, I'm not saying weird to say, like I started swimming when I was seven, like oh, what seven-year-old would actually be concentrating on swimming. Like I'm sure you just started swim training like at your local pool, which is what I did. But when I was seven, I was like convinced I was going to the Olympics. Like it was taking up all my mental energy anyway. So I feel like wow. I've been very intensely involved in swimming for a long time. So it was nice to like take that little step back a bit and I worked at EY I did business consulting I went and did celebrity apprentice which like I never would have thought I would have done that but I had a great opportunity there to raise a lot of money for carers Australia which is an organization that looks after the unpaid carers in Australia my brother requires full-time care so it's something I've seen throughout my life is how important it is to recognize the people who go sort of unsung in society, recognize them, give them a community, but also Care Australia does some advocacy for them on a federal level to make sure that there's some funding for them because I think the latest stat is that if the government had to provide that care, so if it was on NDIS and the government was providing it as opposed to friends and family looking after their loved ones for free, it would cost three billion dollars so it's it's incredible when you look at it i think one in one in ten people at some stage will be a carer so you're you're likely to know someone who's a carer and you don't even know about it and through celebrity apprentice i was able to go on and talk about that a lot and ended up raising about ninety thousand dollars which i've never fundraised a cent in my life so that was intimidating but i'm glad i got to do it oh it's huge it's huge that's a huge amount of money i'm sure they would have being blown away by that generosity. That's interesting, that statistic. And I know that my grandfather, he lived till he was 95 and he lived an incredible life. He, the war and he was in the circus when he was in the war and he was a champion show jumper all across Australia and sailed Sydney to Hobart. So this really interesting life. But in the last few years of his life, he became born blind uh, all of a sudden, one day when he was in his 80s, he just woke up and was fully blind and then lost his hearing. And so the last, you know, bit of his life, he was really vulnerable and completely dependent, literally, to walk anywhere or, you know, and take care of himself. And um, so my mum was his carer. She became his carer. And it's just love, like care that is people essentially devoting themselves or the majority of their days and time to care for someone in their family and you can't replace it you can't buy that and it's funny a lot of people don't want care formal care to come into their house so it's really the only option for a lot of people to someone in their family to care for them so i think it's incredible what you did Really? <laughs> well, I'm glad that you think it's incredible because those moments when I was dressed as a giant cheese walking around Pitt Street more like, what yeah. on earth am I doing here? But it, yeah, it, like you said, it is all worth it because 
so worth it. It's for a much bigger cause. So I'm not going to say that I'm like jumping up and down in my seat to get back into reality TV because <laughs> it was a fairly interesting experience from that point of view. But it was, it's a bit of a, it's a bubble in itself, reality TV, but it was nice that once I'd stepped outside of it and got to hand over the check and done all of that, that you're like, oh, this isn't, this is actually real. Like this is real life application here. And it actually is making a difference as opposed to just like yeah. in your reality TV bubble, which isn't actually real life. <laughs> yeah. For sure. And it's, I think you'd have to keep reminding yourself that it's just reality TV. Look, I've never watched it before and we watched it. We're a full mad family. And so Benji was the reason we watched it, that episode. But we watched all of the episodes. We loved it this season, my daughter and I. And, yeah, I thought you did so well. I thought you did so well because you often are worried about the edit and who's going to be the villain and who's going to look bad and you did so well. You were fantastic. Yeah, so you did a lot in that time off and I imagine it would have been a hard decision maybe going back to filming or it wasn't a hard decision at all this year, your next goal. Yeah, it was. It took a while to come to that decision. So the reason I had time off as opposed to retiring, like I knew that I needed a break after the Tokyo Olympics. And rather than I could have very easily said, oh, like I'm ready to retire and stepped away. But I really wanted to just get some space from swimming and give myself that time to come to a a good decision and try other things. And once I'd done a few other things, it then felt like I was making a choice between two things as opposed to choosing to do something or stop doing something. So when I decided to go back into the pool, I was really choosing between my career in business consulting and my career in swimming. And it's two choices that I have, as opposed to just like, you swim or you don't swim. You swim or you, we don't really know what the next thing is. So I really wanted to have that time and space to do it. And to be honest, I hadn't really decided what I was going to do. I was I thought I was going to come back and then some days I didn't and then like halfway through the day I thought I would and then like it changed every day and every moment of every day but I just started doing it I realistically like if I want to go to Paris next year which is my goal I have to start 18 months out at the very least normally you train for four years but I've been doing this a long time so 18 months I was like that probably gives me enough time and as that time rolled around I was like you know what I'll just start doing it and you'll know if you hate it yeah. <laughs> as you build up into it. Like the, if there comes a moment where you're like, I absolutely know that I don't want to do this. Like, I think, you know, the things you don't like more than, you know, if you're going to like something. Mm-hmm. So I just started doing it and loved it again and loved the challenge of doing new things and trying to do new things in the sport. I mean, if both myself and my sister can go to this next Olympics, it'll be my fourth Olympics. It'll be Kate's fifth Olympics. I'll be 30 years old next year. There's not a lot of swimmers that are that old in the sport. Mm. And there's only Kate, Emily Seabom and Liesl Jones have been to four Olympics out of Australian swimmers. That's it. No one else. So it's joining a very small number of people that would have been able to stick around for that long. Yeah. Oh, it's incredible. And I think um, you must be a really determined person especially if you know you have memories of seven eight years old being like I'm going to do this you must be really determined and even to come back now I think is it a little bit different this experience because you know this is your last and also you're coming back into it so you're really choosing to to have this last goal I feel not to make it sound too you know ominous but it's, it's this is realistically the last Olympics yeah, absolutely. It's totally different. It's it's a weird thing because at any point during my swimming career, like I, my first team was 2012 and then 
at any point in the next 10 years, I could have stopped swimming at any time, but it didn't necessarily feel like that. Now, I very much feel like swimming is a choice. So during that time, didn't necessarily feel like swimming was a choice. Like I chose it when I was seven and then I just kept doing it. Whereas this time I've actively chosen to come back to it and I've chosen against inertia. Inertia is pretty strong. It can keep you in places for a long time just because you're heading in that direction. It's easier to keep going in that direction. Whereas having had time off and now coming back to it, I've really like stopped and changed direction. So it makes it feel a lot more like an active choice. And it definitely feels very different. I've achieved pretty much everything that I've ever wanted to in the sport, definitely more than I could have imagined. I sat in the back of the car when I was seven, dreamt about going to one Olympic Games. That was it. I wanted to go to an Olympics and to be sitting here now and having been to not only three Olympics, but four world champs and Commonwealth Games and have medals from those events and be part of world record-breaking relay teams. Like this is... It's a lot more than the seven-year-old had dreamt. And seven-year-olds have pretty good imagination. So I feel very lucky that I've exceeded those expectations of the little seven-year-old me. Hugely. But also just so realistic. Like, so I can't even remember what I would have thought about the time. But, yeah, you've definitely, you're self-proud. You're a little seven-year-old self-proud. It's how are we all able to follow you? What's the process for this? You just train for a long period of time now? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I have some competitions. So in October, I'm competing overseas at World Cups. And then there's some state competitions and stuff. But basically for Olympics, swimming is pretty cutthroat. There's a trial meet, which is in June next year. It's typically five to five and a half weeks before the Olympics. And if you come first or second at that meet in the 50 or the 100 freestyle, then you get an individual place on the team. If you come top five or six, you can possibly get a relay place for the 100 freestyle. And then if you don't perform at that meet, then you don't go. So nobody knows whether they're going to the Olympics or not until five weeks before, pretty much. So that's the really big one to watch. But there are some other meets in the lead up that you can sort of have a look and see how people are going. But it really all comes down to what happens on that. Then one day. Talk about resilience, really, in mental health, you know, making sure that everyone's mental health is really strong for those. That's like a lot of build-up, I suppose, if you say most people train for four years. How many people are vying for those two spots? In my event, it's particularly particularly strong event. So the 100 freestyle in Australia is probably the strongest nation in the world in 100 freestyle. That's why we have such an incredible relay team that... Mm. I mean, the last, pretty much since 2012, we've dominated internationally. And Mm -hmm. I think there's only been one or two races since then that we haven't won, which is an incredible feat. But it means that there are, realistically, there's like six people that could, six, seven people that could make those two spots. And there's probably like 10 people that could make those top five or six spots. So there's a lot of people that miss out. And that's just the people that I know right now as of Mm. October of 2023. But you never know who's coming through in the next few months. It can change a lot. Like probably a good example is in 2021 at the trials, I came fifth in the 100 freestyle and qualified for the relay. And that's the first time I haven't qualified for the individual spot. But the time that I went to qualify for the relay and come fifth in Australia 
that would have come first or second in any other country in the world. So we have really tough competition, but it's great because it drives excellence in in the sport. Like there's a reason that we have tough competition. It's because over the last 10 years, we've had really good 100 freestylers. And so anyone coming up knows they have to be the best in the world. Like there was a time when I was second in the world, but I was also second in my own family because Kate was number one and I was number two. (laughs) So like... I'm used to the being like very tough, very domestic competition. So I guess I'm just used to it over the years. How have you ridden the wave? Of, I mean, this would have been your whole life then, working for something such focus to a cliff and then the outcome. Have you sort of ridden that wave or it really just has been bettering you and you've just made yourself achieve each time? Yeah, I think that's a good question because it's when you think about someone's career, you pretty much only see the highlights and you also think that it's very linear like it starts at a low point and then it's just a straight line up to keep on achieving and it's really not been the case in my career and it's not the case in anyone's career that I've ever met that they Mm. you win you start winning and then you just keep on winning for your whole career if you stick around for long enough and if you have enough stuff along the way like you no one wins every single race that they've ever entered and win can be in any interpretation of that word like it can be win as in yes actually get your hand on the wall first or it can be do an actual good job of your race like we're lucky in swimming it's pretty easy to measure things like you got an objective time like right there on the board so you can see whether you've done well against what your previous best was or what is generally thought of as a good time so you've really got the ability to measure yourself against your previous self and there's never been a race where like I'm completely happy with every single bit of it that's the whole point is you get to keep coming back and doing more I think what I wish I had done if I could actually go back and talk to myself at the start of my career is celebrate the wins along the way a little bit more because I never really appreciated them as wins I was like that's just like the next step and then there's going to be something after that and maybe 2015 was a great example of this like I won the world championships in the 100 freestyle and the 50 freestyle, like winning the double was amazing. I, I think I was only one one of four Australians that have ever done that. And I got back in the pool like straight afterwards. Like I didn't even really celebrate or acknowledge it because the Olympics was the next year. So I was like, okay, get back in, start training for the Olympics. And then I got a shoulder injury and that severely impacted. I mean, 2015 was the last time I competed injury-free and my whole training regime and my whole outlook of how I swim pretty much changed since 2015 and yeah I didn't really stop and admire the view from the top I was like just so focused on getting to the next thing yeah I think that's so common I think that's so common if you talk to anyone who's got a goal just focus on that so that's great advice I guess for anyone listening is to make sure that you do just enjoy everything in life yeah, that's wonderful. Your, your story is actually so unique, just even with your sister. Like that's a whole conversation you could have around your experience doing things with her. Like she's synonymous with you. It's just you're both hand in hand and, you know, I suppose as a, I guess we're fans watching you guys, you must be stars, and so you two are just hand in hand with each other. But you would have such an interesting sense of community as well, I suppose, with her in your 
journey, probably been different to most other people. You know, not many people can say that we've really done a lot of it with their sister, so close. So that would have been amazing in so many respects, having her with you. Yeah, it was always in, it was incredible. When we were little kids, we would sit in the back of the car, like I said, and talk about going to the Olympics together. It was always a dream of us to do it together. It wasn't just one of us. So Kate qualified for her first Olympics in 2008 and went off to that. She was she just turned 16, so little, and I was 14 at the time. So, yeah, then four years later qualifying for my first Olympics in 2012 and doing it alongside Kate um, was it was exactly what we dreamt about in yeah. in the back of the car and it definitely didn't come easy there was a lot of things that happened between those four years but it was well worth it and so nice to have someone who'd been there before like I learned so much from oh, Kate's gosh. experience yeah yeah I'm sure your parents must just be unbelievably proud and also wondering how did they how did this happen to two daughters at that elite level so that's success yeah, I mean, we're actually, we're, there was two of us and then there's three other siblings as well. So there's five kids, so there's a lot going on in our family at all times. Yeah. So it's it's great that we do what we do, but I think we scarred the other ones because Kate and I are the eldest and the rest of them are like, oh, maybe we won't do something because we saw how like horrible it is getting up at 4.20 every morning. And kudos to mum and dad for driving us to swimming at that time because like, like I don't have any kids at this time, but... I'm just like really hoping that they do not want to do a sport that gets you up before the sun because I've had. Oh, I think you just, I think you'll just do whatever it is for them that they want or need. My daughters, you probably don't. I'm not sure if you know a lot about school cattle teams, like cattle judging teams. If you've ever been to the Royal Easter Parade around the Charlotte's just gotten into that this year, and it's incredibly time heavy it's an investment to like you know we all have to go somewhere it's a lot but you just do it because they just genuinely love it. i think there's nothing better and you don't even think about, you don't even think about yourself so i can imagine your parents getting up at that time look there's so much else that you've got going in this world which is why i was so happy that you yeah had the time to come chat to us today um pb with bronte that's very exciting yeah, thank you. It's yeah, it's the another one of my things. That I was like, let's just try something new. And PB with Bronte was born out of a little bit of a few things coming together. So it's a swim gear brand. So that's like pull boys, kickboards, fins, caps, and the idea sort of first started with in COVID. No one had access to swimming pools. There was a few people swimming in the ocean if they could, and I was among them. We couldn't have access to our pools either. And I just started talking to the groups of people who were swimming and they were always asking for tips and, like, what should I be doing differently? And, like, what should my head position be? And um, what on earth is a pool boy? And, like, why on earth are you using that? Um, I was like, wow, there's a lot of questions here. Like, maybe there's a way for me to share my knowledge and also design gear that I really like so lots of swim gear is like made for kids and it's like got like spongebob on it or like it's fluoro or it's like heavy black or something I just wanted something that I really liked and so designed my own swim gear and then alongside it when you buy it there's you get access to some videos explaining how to use it and why you would use it in training and some swim sets that you can do yourself and 
at the same time as all of that was going on, I was learning to surf and I was feeling very out of place in the water for the first time, like paddling out to be amongst the surfers. You're like, oh, I don't really know what I'm doing here. And I think that barrier of like, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, therefore I don't belong is quite high, particularly when you're an adult. So I wanted to like break that down a little bit and be like, yeah, have some gear that looks great, that you're going to turn up, you're going to feel great that you've got this stuff with you. And you watch the videos and it explains a bit about what you're doing. So you don't have to like go there and start from scratch and make it all up yourself. Yeah, so that was sort of the idea behind it. And then PB stands for personal best in swimming. That's what we always chase. We're like, oh, what's your PB? And you're always chasing a PB. And I just love the idea of personal best in general. Like during that time that I had off, I really had to recalibrate what my best looked like and felt like my best used to be at Olympic level. And then suddenly it wasn't because I wasn't training for 40 hours a week. So I really had to think about, okay, what does my best look like today? Let's do that, not compare it to my lifetime best. And so the, yeah, the sort of meaning behind it is really chasing whatever your best is that day. And sometimes your best is literally just showing up. It's just grabbing your fins and going down. And maybe you thought you were going to do 2K swimming without fins. And maybe you do 500 meters with your fins on. And like, that's fine. You showed up and you did something. Like it's sometimes little steps are are also steps. And I found that hard to remember when I wasn't in the pool because I was used to being taking very big steps every day. So yeah, there's a few there's a few things all tied up in it. And it's been out in the world. PB with Bronte's been out in the world for a month now. And yeah, getting really nice response from people, which is lovely. Well, I love it. And I'm your customer base, I suppose. My building is near our pool, local pool. And like Connected AU for three years has essentially taken that over my life. And so my fitness I just hadn't been unfortunately at the top of everything was like kids house everything else and so I thought I'd start swimming in my lunch breaks or just at any time just head over there and so I did kind of what you said I got everything and went down there and you know I swam my whole life as a child lessons and time trials and things I wasn't very good but I know how to do it and and I did feel a little bit silly at this age there and like I just didn't really know what to do so I just did a bit of freestyle and yeah so I feel like I'm absolutely someone who benefit from getting a few of the products and actually watching videos and not feeling silly by not knowing. Yeah no one should feel silly doing something new I think it's so funny that like we tell kids like you can do whatever you want you can be whatever you want to be and then it's like Once you get past a certain age, it's like, no, you have to have already figured it out and don't do anything new. And it's like, when I love it when I see someone who's a grown adult person doing something new for their first time. Like I do a lot of swimming. I train mainly in Canberra, but when I'm in Sydney, I sometimes train in just normal public pools. And I always love it when you see someone get in and like, you see like they've got so many things that they can improve on but you're like that means that you're like at the start of your swimming journey and it's great to see like anyone just coming in and having a go and it doesn't have to be like oh you must get better it's just turning up and having a swim and sometimes they do like 200 meters or 300 meters and you're like yeah my mom is in her 70s and a few years ago she learned to swim she'd never learned to swim before and so she went down with the same swimming instructor that like all the little kids have and she had lessons every week and she said she felt a bit stupid but she learned to swim she taught herself you know she learned to swim I think it took her about a year and 
that was a massive accomplishment for her. So, no, I'm with you. I think it's good to put yourself out there and challenge yourself and learn new things. I love challenges. I suppose swimming is something that you just do need a bit of, maybe not skill, but knowledge on even just, you know, I know all the strokes, but if I have half an hour in the pool, not, you know, not entirely sure how I should be using that for my goals. So that's interesting. And so what if people purchase a product, they get that with it, or if they visit your website, they can access. Yeah, so I share quite a bit on my Instagram as well. So if you purchase the product, it comes with a video about how to use it, as well as access to some swim sessions that you could do. There's like longer and shorter versions. And obviously, you can pick and choose. But just to give you like a starting point. Yeah. I also try and explain a little bit about why you would use a product so that you can then use it when you feel like it. So for instance, like kick, using a kickboard and just isolating your legs. It's it's quite a workout if you're just using your legs. It's a lot slower than pulling or swimming, but it builds this like amazing kick stamina. So just knowing that that's something that'll really wake up these big muscle groups. It's like, okay, well, I can use it in my warm up. I can use it when I'm about to swim fast. Or if I want to have like a really hard session that's like hard cardio wise, but isn't going to hurt my shoulders, like maybe it's time to do a big kick session and see how fast and far I can kick. Just knowing that gives you a lot more options of like, okay, this is what this thing's used for and this is why we use it in training. But I do share quite a bit of knowledge on my Instagram as well, because like great if you buy the products, you get access to a lot more stuff, but if you don't want to buy the products or you're just starting out, you don't even know if this is for you. Like I want to, I want you to be able to think about your body position. Like even like when you buy the cap, you get a video explaining best head position in the water. These are all things that swimming is not intuitive. Like it is a horizontal sport. Like there's very few sports that you do when you're horizontal. (laughs) And it's also (laughs) one that you have to hold your breath while you're doing it. Like there's barely, yeah. Exactly. Like, and you're in a weightless environment and you have to then have balance. You're balancing your body forwards and backwards and from side to side. It's got rotation, but stability in it. It's the more you think about it, the more complicated it is. Yeah, exactly. So just knowing to concentrate on one or two things at a time and knowing what those big things are that are going to make a big difference. And head position is definitely one of them. So I try focus on like the big picture things and yeah, my Instagram's got a bunch of swim tips for what to do with your hips and a bunch of different things just to just to spread the knowledge. As- just to get people going. Your knowledge is pretty massive. I saw on your Instagram and for everyone listening, you are, you're actually doing a giveaway where some lucky person can listen with you and friends in Sydney, which would be phenomenal. Yeah, that's that was all for the month of September. Anyone that that buys any product goes into the draw to win a swim lesson with me. So I'll keep doing things like that because it's, yeah. it's a nice thing and it's good to, I think, yeah, the, the ethos behind the brand is really sharing swimming knowledge and everything that I've managed to pick up in the last 21 years. Let's spread that out and start mm. the next swimming phenomenon. Yeah, and your love of swimming. It's obvious. It's just you have a love of swimming. Question I'm sure everyone's wondering, listening, swimmer, will it be swimmer? Oh, like swimwear? Yeah, yeah, swimwear. Yeah. So I've actually, yeah, I would love to do some swimwear. Swimwear is a very difficult category because it's like you've really got to get it right. Like the fit's got to be amazing. It's got to feel mm. good on your body and then it's got to, then it's 
how it makes you feel as well. And then when you look at like any material that has a lot of elastic in it or is tight, like like active wear as well, that has like a lot of plastic in it. Typically, those sort of fabrics, they're like not made in the always in the best way. So I've actually just joined the co-founding team of a company called Earthletica and we make activewear that's sustainably made. So it's all made from fabric that's already been recycled or combined with like virgin fabric. So it would be like an organic fabric blend of cotton and then recycled fabrics already. And then it can be recycled at the end of its life and it's sort of comes part of a circular economy. So exploring like what the activewear area looks like with Earthletica and hoping to just see what we can do in a swimwear space, but only if it's done well. So the swim products were a lot simpler to design because there's a lot, there's not as much going on with them. But if I'm going to do swimwear, which I would love to do for everyone, I want it to be sustainable. And I also want it to be something that's designed that's going to make people feel really good in it. And that's going to take a while. So swimwear is on the cards, but it's just not, not, quite ready <laughs> yeah a lot of time we see here and i think everyone will buy it to get it out there whatever version and then you know, improve on it as you go but yes i think this is the exception to that advice which is i'm sure that the first thing you want to put out you want it to be perfect it's a representation of you and everything you embody in swimming yeah i mean like i actually did kind of take that advice like I was like, oh, I'll wait till the swimwear's done before I launch anything. And then it's like, no, your swim gear is like ready to go. Just start with something. I do think that is really good advice. And even though I'm like spending the time on the swimwear to get it right, I think that I've still managed to follow that advice in a different way. Yeah. Are you you loving the journey, this this business journey? Yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You never know what's around the corner and like, I mean, I know more about barcodes and SKUs and FN SKUs than I've ever would have thought in my life. And you just sort of wade into it. And I mean, I started out not knowing anything of how to get anything started. And then you just do a little bit and a little bit at a time. And I'm doing it all in between my training, which I really like that this is my business. So the more that I put into it, the more that will come out of it. But I have to balance that with my actual number one priority now is training for Paris next year. That's what I'm aiming for. And I fit, can fit all of this around it. So during business hours, I might not have a lot of time, but then maybe I've got time from like seven till nine o'clock at night and I can do my work then and it doesn't matter. And uh, there's only you that you're accountable to and the results are sort of like completely dependent on you. So mm. I do, I do like that for this stage of my life. Business plays really well into your personality, I think, you know, given what you've achieved. You're right. It's what you put in, there's such clear results, clear, tangible results. The harder you work, the harder, um, the better your results are. Um, resilience. I was going to ask you, this business is probably great as well for you. I mean, I know you would have so many options once you do officially retire, but you often hear of sports, elite, elite athletes often having that transition back out following their career is really difficult and you often hear of just so challenging this from people and having to build up that resilience and you know ability to move on with their life is this part of that a plan for you to sort of have things in place when you officially retire yeah absolutely i think the way you phrase that as building resilience is 
really key to how we think about resilience in that I think resilience comes when you've built a lot of scaffolding around something. When your identity, where we see particularly sports people having problems, is identity being completely tied up in what you do and your self-worth being tied up in, in what you do. And if I think about building resilience, it's like you actually have heaps of different props that are holding up your identity <laughs> and you build in a bunch of different things. And suddenly if, if one of them's taken away, it'll probably still be hard but there's other things holding you up. You don't come completely crashing down. And like the last few years of taking time off and getting to do different things, that's all part of building those little other attributes of my identity. And then I'm sure when I hang up the swimmers for good, it will be both a good thing, like it'll be an amazing time. I'm kind of looking forward to it. Mm. But there will also be days when it is incredibly hard. And I know that I've got those other props in my life. And I know that a big part of what you do is based around connection and a huge, big other supporting beam in my life, if I think about it like that, is my connections with my friends and family, that those people are the ones I'll be leaning on when the swimming one gets knocked out. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's like critical, I think. It's pivotal in everyone's life to have community and people around them, people that you just feel care about you and interested in what you're doing and yeah, when we do have lots of people in all of our programs that don't have that and don't have that connection, you can see every day the result, I suppose. It affects everything, doesn't it? Your health, physical health, mental health, it affects everything. So, I, yeah, of course you're, you would have such a strong community. You would have to have such a strong community around you to be able to achieve what you've achieved because there would be so many highs and lows in what you've been through. Look, we get – I don't want to keep you forever. I know your time is so precious, but – we have there's just two questions that I'd love to ask. One of them is we actually put it out to people what questions that they'd love us to ask. And one of them you would have heard of before, but it's obviously really popular. If you could have a meal, have dinner with someone alive, living or not living, dead, who would it be and why? It's actually really interesting to hear people's answers. It is this is a really hard question. I think it changes for me quite a lot, but I think someone who I would have loved to have met would have been Nelson Mandela just because mm-hmm. of everything that he went through in his life, his unbelievable leadership skills and his bandwidth for forgiveness. And I think he modeled that forgiveness doesn't mean that you're lying down and taking something. It's that you're moving on and, and choosing to rise above something. And there's a few roles in my life where I'm like president of the Swimmers Association, an athlete leader, and in leadership positions, I can think of no one that does did a better job than him as a as a leader and someone that the whole world sort of looked to as like, wow, that's impressive. And I mean, he came, he got released from prison in 1994, which was the year that I was born, which is just crazy to think that he got when did he get released he was probably he was 72 or 74 which is just it's just incredible thinking about all the life that he had up until that point and Mm -hmm. I think during his life he changed his perspective a few times on a few issues and like someone that showcases Mm -hmm. that and exploring that with him would have been amazing like sit down and have a conversation with him would be incredible so imagine that would be great yeah I think you're right I think he there are like I think your personality might be to mine in that I would love to talk to people that I am curious about and probably that whole lesson 
you know, the whole lesson where you could learn and I think impact. I think when you think about how impactful someone is, it's clear in how long their impact lasts and how widespread it is. And so I think, yes, you've chosen someone who's it's obviously stood the test of time. There are so many lessons in everything essentially that he did, what you've said, resilience, leadership, forgiveness. There's so many lessons in that. I think that would be a great dinner. I would definitely have a seat at that dinner. Um, and the other question is, this is more just for people who are listening, um, do you have any advice for people about connection? How do you stay connected or any, any tips to, to stay connected? Yeah, I'm not terribly great at advice, but I can just share it in my life what it's been like. And it's interesting, before you said, so you must have a really strong community around you. And I do now, but that's not necessarily always been the case because swimming is quite an isolating um, pursuit, particularly when you're younger. Like what I was doing with my life was very different from what my peers were doing. I mean, I would be up at four o'clock every morning and then I would go to school or uni during the day and then I'd go straight back to the pool So, and train that night as well. So from five in the morning until 7.30 at night, I'd either be at the, at school or at the swimming pool and then I'd go home and I'd be asleep by quarter past eight because I was getting up at four o'clock. So that was my like high school life and a lot of my uni life as well. And during that time, everyone's doing completely different things <laughs> from that. So it's very easy to become quite isolated. And particularly when I wasn't physically seeing people a lot, like I wasn't hanging out with them after school, etc. I You would use technology and phone to stay in contact with people. And at the beginning, I wasn't very good at it. I'd be like, oh, like, do they want to hear from me? Do they like, if I thought about someone or thought about something or like saw something I thought they would think was funny, I'd be like, oh, like, I don't know if they even like want to hear my text message. Like, but as I've got it older, I'll just be like, just text the person. Like, just, yeah. you see something, just do it. You're thinking about them. It doesn't even have to be of anything. I'd be like, well, there's no point talking to them because I'm not organizing my next catch up because I can't catch up with them because I'm like overseas competing. But it doesn't have to be that. It's like, I had a dream about you last night. I thought about you this morning. How are you going? Like, just reaching out. And I think that once I started doing that, I realized that everyone sort of wants to take that step and you never actually know where it goes to. Like that might be a little bit of a conversation then, or if I'm driving, I just have a list of like favorites in my phone and I just like call them. And if they can talk to me, great. And if they can't, then they won't talk to me. Like it's literally that simple. And particularly when you're feeling like disconnected and lonely, I know that reaching out to people seems like quite, it can seem like a lot of effort and quite impossible. I do know that feeling, but I've sort of cultivated it as a habit <laughs> so that yeah. when you're feeling a bit low and a bit alone, like I'm in a brand new city now and stuff, I know it like, okay, this is going to work for me. This is going to make me feel better. So I don't have to think about it in the moment so much. I've sort of already started doing it. Yeah. Okay. So habit, build a habit. And when you think of someone, do it get in contact with them. I love that. Someone, another guest, we had Brian Benjamin. I'm not sure if you know her, but she, that episode's really worth listening to. I think you would really find that interesting. She's had a really interesting journey with health and resilience. And she said, make it as easy as possible. Her advice was make it as easy as possible. So even when you can do the little voice memos, like you just think of someone, you just quickly record it and send it. It takes you two seconds. 
it's you know it's just keeping that connection and making yourself do it so that's good look i think what we'll do at the end of this is make a little list and make it send it off to everyone different tips because everyone has such different tips and advice on how to stay connected and when you put it all together it actually could be really useful for people yeah yeah, I'll send it to you. It's look, it's so nice seeing you again and chatting to you. I know you're so busy, so we really appreciate you taking the time and meeting with us. And I know everyone is going to absolutely love listening to you, probably Googling brand and all of, you know, everything. And we'll be able to follow you and watch you as well. And that's actually something to connection is having a shared interest and goal, isn't it? Having something shared that you can you can relate over. So Bronte, thank you so much. I really do appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Mia. Thanks for having me. If you haven't discovered Connected AU yet, this is your cue to find us. We have some of the most exciting, engaging and inclusive programs in the country to make sure everyone has access to community. From beautiful handwritten letters to online art clubs, book clubs and gardening clubs. We even have events every month with famous friends like Sam Neill. There is something for everyone and we know you will find joy. 